Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 255. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, Hover, and Care Of. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mike Hurley. Hello. Hey, buddy. Hello. I don't have anyone else to introduce. No. It's just us. Federico's taking his annual vacation Mm -hmm. right now, where I think he, he actually... It's not like a vacation vacation, because I think he mostly takes it so he can focus on the review, I think. I think his body is on vacation, but his brain is working. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. I, we don't hear from him very much over this period of time. Mm-mm. So, like, we can only we can only at this point assume that Federico Vatici is still on this earth. We can only assume. I haven't heard from him in days, I think, at this point. He sent us a picture of some jewelry yesterday, but that was it. Which isn't that unusual, really. No, I mean, that could have been anyone. That could have been someone pretending to be him. I'm going to check his tweets. Has he been tweeting? Let me see. I, I don't know. Not really. I mean, he's been retweeting some stuff, but that could be anyone. That could, honestly, that could be an automation run amok. That's probably it. So I wonder how long he could be gone for and we not realize it because shortcuts are still running. And we wouldn't know. Yeah, like things just keep happening. And it's like we just like, oh, like now we haven't heard from him. But he is doing this, or he is doing that, so he must still be alive, he just doesn't text very much. Because during this time of year, especially, I feel like we just don't hear from him, because, like, you know, he just gets really, understandably, just gets really, like, Mm -hmm. focused, right, on on, on getting the work done. So that's kind of all he's doing 24-7 when he's awake. It's not, like, completely 24-7, but you know what I mean. So, yeah, I guess the automations could just keep running, and nobody would ever know. I know. It's chilling. It feels. Are we just did we just write an episode of Black Mirror? <laughs> Maybe. I think that's what that show's about. I don't watch it. I don't. But yeah. I think that's what that show's about. Let's talk about art. We spoke last time about. You should be playing some classical music right now underneath the, underneath while we talk about this part. Well, uh, that's the show intro. You can't go back to that well. No, too but often. like a different piece of music. That's a lot of work. That I, that would take literally weeks. Well, to play a. <laughs> to play a piece of classical yeah. music underneath the audience. Uh, yeah. That is true. People don't know how those types of shows get put together. It takes weeks. Weeks and six people and four yeah. producers. I- I'm going to need and a an producer and an editor and an assistant editor and an assistant to the editor. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and an office in Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn has the right audio environment for shows with music underneath them. <laughs> <laughs> so we spoke about Dr. Drang's photo of me putting Ram in Rose Orchard's Mac Mini. And someone on the show, maybe Federico, maybe you, someone uh, you know, said it looked like a some sort of Renaissance painting. And Dr. Drang uh, linked to it and said, yes, I took it because it reminded me of The Last Supper. People watching Stephen are like the apostles. Isn't that incredible? I would like to ask you as a, as a question, uh-huh. and I don't mean any disrespect, sure. but as a religious man. It's, it's a little weird. How do you feel? Okay, cool. Just check in, just check in. Like, you know, I mean, it wouldn't bother me personally, but like, I just wonder how you like being called the Jesus of this situation. I, I don't view myself as the Messiah of the Max, but, you know. Maxiah. Wow. It's going to go register that domain. <laughs> However... Drang disagreed with Federico's comment, or maybe Mike's comment, it's unknown, uh, but it was definitely Mike, about the uh, the golden spiral. So, anyways, mm-hmm. we're sorry, Dr. Drang. Says, what did he say, that he was going for a Da Vinci-like triangular construction? Yeah. I really enjoy the fact that Drang thought of this whilst and before taking the photo. 
it's a glimpse into how his mind works. Yeah. Uh, everything is just shapes and lines in his brain. And I guess possible failure points. Okay, Mike, we have some really long-term follow-up. You texted me earlier today. We're talking about the show. And he said, hey, I want to update people on my usage of RSS. We spoke about this, I don't know, months ago, how you were going to resurrect RSS. That's what RSS stands for, resurrected simple syndication. Resurrected resurrected sometimes stupidly and uh you've are using this over twitter for news or you're going to try to do it so anyways how's it going well i guess the follow-up goes back maybe a little bit further than that in the sense of me moving from tweetbot to the twitter app oh yeah right and and like right because the and i said this at the time like i wanted to try it and then i realized that the side effect of using the twitter app is that you find yourself using twitter differently because the twitter app is kind of focused on that Right? Like it is focused on providing a different experience. It is focused on providing the experience that it wants to provide, not necessarily the one that you want. Right? Like, and that's just, that's the prerogative of Twitter to do. But I will say that if you want to spend less time on Twitter, which I did for various reasons, which I think are different to the typical reasons. I mean, like, typically people say, like, I don't want to be on Twitter because Twitter is a place of Nazis and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not denying all of that, but like that wasn't where I was coming from. It was just like, I spent too much time using this service. Like it was just a pure, like my self-control problem over a service is bad problem. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying that that's not the case and I understand why that's the case for many people, but I feel like at this point... I've done a pretty good job of getting my follower list and who I follow and what I'm seeing retweet-wise that I don't get a lot of what I don't want to see in my timeline. Like, I feel like I've done pretty good at that over time. But really, it was just like I just wanted to reduce the amount of time that I was spending on Twitter, reducing my reliance on it as a news source because I would get the news that I wanted but it's also intermixed with a bunch of stuff that I don't necessarily want, which could be like, what is the drama of the day that maybe I don't care about? Or maybe it is about 30 to 50 hugs coming to hurt my children. Did you did you see this yesterday? It was very funny. No, I did enjoy I, my time reading that. this meme. It was very good. It's like one of those memes that just, it had a 24-hour window now and it's it gone. gone. I feel and, like I missed it. And it was completely gone. Yeah, you missed it. Like, it was one of those things that everyone was tweeting about it. It made no sense. When you mm-hmm. found out what it meant, it still made no sense. But by that point, it was funny. So, you know, like, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, it's funny and I want to be involved in it when I want it. But I don't want to have to see all of that stuff all the time. Basically, I wanted to turn Twitter into recreation, right? As opposed to becoming being like this pivotal part of the way that I work. Okay. And I've tried to use RSS a bunch in the past, but then the problem was I felt like, oh, I'm just seeing the same things in multiple places because I'm reading them and then I'm going to Twitter and reading them because I was just doing my like uh what is it called when you a completionist mindset of reading tweets through Tweetbot in reverse chronological order. So one of the things that I noticed was as I was using the Twitter app more, I was using Twitter less. Um, right now, screen time is putting me at like between one to two hours less a week of using Twitter, which is great. When it was, you know, like before, it wasn't like 100 hours. It was like five or six hours. And now it's down by like an hour or two um, on a weekly basis, which is, I mean, that's what I wanted to see. I, I don't feel like I've worked very hard. I've not set any app limits. It's just my usage patterns are changing. And I am finding myself very frequently now 
just thinking, when was the last time I looked? And it could be a full 24 hours. And this is just, I am happier with this because this is more of how I want to use social media. I am using Instagram a lot more. Uh, I like Instagram way more. It just brings me joy in my life. Like it just makes me happy. It doesn't mix up a bunch of stuff that I don't necessarily want to see, which I feel like I get in Twitter way more. And so then what I thought to myself was, right, if I'm using Twitter less and Twitter is my main source of information that I need to do my job, then I need to have a reliable system of information and that's when RSS came back into my life. So I use a service called I Know Reader. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly why I picked that one, but I this was the last time that I tried to use RSS. Federico told me to do it, and then I had like a year-long subscription, so I just chose that one again. Um, and I'm using Reader 4 on all my uh, iOS devices. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing RSS on my, on my iOS devices. And uh, that is a very good-looking application, isn't it? It's beautiful. It is. It's very nice. It's got all the features that I would want. Um, there's some stuff that I would want to change, but nothing so perfect that it can't be complained about. And, uh, yep, I, th- I think somebody said that. I think Merlin's came up with that one. <laughs> he just wants to be remembered for one thing. Uh, and so I, <laughs> I've been enjoying uh, this kind of... So basically, one of the things that I like about RSS, when when thinking about it from a Twitter mindset of... If I don't check into RSS, it is not any harder for me to get the information. It just waits. Mm-hmm. I know that that is like Mike of 2004 knew that, but I feel like the last 10 years of doing things differently, I've kind of forgotten about that core difference. Mm-hmm. RSS, the information will just wait for me until I'm ready to check it. So I'm very happy. I I recommend to people if they are feeling like maybe they're spending too much time on Twitter, I don't I don't necessarily recommend the complete cut it out of your life approach because there is a reason that you're using it and and a lot of it might be because you enjoy reading memes about 30 to 50 hogs right like that might just be a thing that you enjoy and if you get rid of that from your life your life might be might be worse I don't know so I recommend using the official Twitter app and using their algorithm because it surfaces things for me so I don't need to dig through everything because it is doing a okay enough job of showing me the stuff that's popular and important. So that's where I am right now. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I don't have any downsides. So it's probably what I'm going to stick with for the foreseeable future. Well, welcome back to RSS. Some of us never left. Do you do you constantly, like you still have always, every single day, RSS, all day, every day? I've never stopped. I moved from Google Reader into, uh, I used something for a while, then I settled on Feedbin. And I use Reader on the Mac and iPad, and I use Unread on the iPhone, and it's been that way forever. How many uh, feeds do you subscribe to? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me see if I can easily ascertain that number. I have 16. It's definitely more than that. And a bunch of them are like the personal blogs of friends, so they very infrequently update. I I have like... 10 feeds that update every day and the rest of them are like every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I can find a number. Mine is probably 50. Yeah. At least. That seems like too much. So a lot of them, like actually going through here, a lot of these are dead. Like there's some blogs in here yeah, that I haven't yeah, updated in a long time. Um, several of them. So I have a folder called Geek News and that's like Verge and Gadget. And that one Basically, I look at like the top three or four and just ditch the rest. Uh, there's a lot of overlap. So here was the thing for me when I was setting this up again. 
I decided to pick one website in every category because they all report on the same news. Because, like, if The Verge has a big exclusive about the Samsung Galaxy Note 10, mm-hmm. and Gadget's going to post about it, right? So, like, I have, like, 9 to 5 Mac because they are, like, I have found them to be, they will post every piece of Apple news. It's right? true. And, like, so that's the place that I want it. And that is a not a criticism like that is exactly what i was looking for right so they're kind of like all apple news them if i want all technology it's the verge all of gaming polygon and then i have variety their varieties tech section to pick up stuff for upstream right like and that's kind of like you're hitting across my main categories there then i pick up other parts of like i want interesting information right so i'll have like mac stories and you and jason and it's not just because you guys are my friends like i've read all of these people including you way before we were friends and and then i'll have like i have TechCrunch in there and most of the time i never like i just completely archive it but sometimes I'll pick something out of there. You know, like that's kind of the way that I've been using it. And then there's like a bunch of like personal blogs or individuals who have websites that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but like I, I go for like a few fire hoses, but not like all of them like I used to. Right. Like in my previous days, I would be like, oh, all right, I'm going to go for The Verge and Engadget and Gizmodo and all of those and then i'm gonna go for nine to five mac and mac rumors and all you know i mean i would just get all of them it's like well you're just seeing the same headline over and over and over again not a criticism of any of these websites that is the industry like that's just how it is but i think as a reader you just pick the one with the voices that you like the most and go with it yeah you have uh you're gonna make me clean this out there's a lot of overlap. You've got to clean it out, man. Yeah. Like, if you look at it right now, chronologically, how many headlines are the same just from different places? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of overlap. And so that folder in particular is really bad about that. So that one, I just sort of skim. You know what it might be, actually, just so you to get an idea? Don't do it yet. Wait until tomorrow, because Samsung have their Galaxy event tonight. Yeah. Just see what that looks like. Right? Like, <laughs> all of those websites just posting all of the news about the same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So, uh... So that's where I am. RSS, still here. the The irony is, of course, is that we, we, you and I own a company that is built on top of RSS. But yeah, but no one thinks of it that way. I think about it that way. Not in this sense. We don't use RSS readers. I do have the Relay FM Master Feed in uh, Feedbin. I have it in a podcast app where it's more useful. So RSS. <laughs> Okay, look, if you look in your podcast player right now, this chapter is named Shameless Promotion. Yeah, it's it's August. We do lots of stuff in August. Yeah. You're just going to have to live with it. And there's a lot. We love you. There's a lot this year. Um, so yep. let's start. It's a, it's a big year. It's a huge year. Five years. We are going to kindergarten as a podcast network. Congratulations. Item number one, we are having our live event in just a couple weeks in San Francisco. There are a few tickets left, so go get a ticket. But we need your help. So we are going to be playing... Relay FM Family Feud. Someone on Twitter said that we really missed an opportunity to smash FM and family together. So like Relay Feud, but I don't know how to say it. So Relay F Family Feud, but it doesn't work. It sounds like you're saying something naughty. You don't want that. So (laughs) this link in the show (laughs) notes, if you are a listener, (laughs) you should click on it and fill it out. Because the way Family Feud works, the hosts, the people on the show, in our case, like... 15 or 17, however many Relay hosts are going to be there. 
Uh, they have to guess the answers of the survey. That only works if we have answers to the survey. So we're sending this out to all of our listeners. It's going to take you like 30 seconds to fill out. It's it's. I don't actually – well, I know it's in it because I'm not actually playing Family Feud, but I don't want to say what's in it because the hosts are listening. Very simple tech things. It'll take you no time at all to knock it out. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong answer. It's what answer comes to your mind. That's the way the survey works. Yes. It's like a fancy word association. Yeah, that's good. Look at you. I've already explained it three times today on different shows, so mm-hmm. I'm getting good at explaining what the Family Feud's all about. So uh, so there's that. Uh, we would love if you would fill that out. The more answers, the better. Secondly, we have our anniversary merchandise up. Uh, the t-shirt, if you're listening to this today, it comes out August 7th, is only available another eight days. So by the time the next Connected comes out, time it will basically be over uh, just about so uh, go check this out at cotton bureau we have a shirt Uh, a lot of people have asked us about the art and uh, so i want to say two things about it one i love it very much Uh, we went to our designer and said we want something to like celebrate the feels like relay but doesn't necessarily look like a podcast t-shirt we just want a nice design that could be anything and um, you know you could see this as like a christmas ornament maybe we'll do christmas ornaments or uh you know, neck tattoo or something. Don't. I'm. I'm, I'm probably going to put it on my body at some point. It's really good. So it's a star with like the uh, little half circles around it. So it's kind of five points. The star. It's all. It's mm-hmm. all kind of a conceptual conception of art. It's, it's high concept podcast. Artwork. It is. Can you tell? I spent two years in art school. It's really paying off as I describe this. Yeah, it was really good. I could. Mm-hmm. I could feel the education. Yeah, rolling out of me. Uh, mm-hmm. So go check this out. There's a T-shirt. There's also a, a enamel pin with the same artwork. My pins are out for delivery in a couple days. Uh, the shirts will. We had this question as well. The shirts will not be to you in time for the live show. Uh, we wanted everything up in August, and that meant we sacrificed having the, sh- the shirts done by the live show. The pins, the pins, though. If you buy pins on their own, not pins of a shirt, you will get them before the live show if you're in the U.S. Mm-hmm. easily. Because they they're shipping out, right? They're shipping out now. Yep. So go check all this out. We'd love to see these shirts and pins out in the world. Mm-hmm. Number three, next week on Connected, Mike and I will be hosting our annual relay QA. So every we're doing this every year where people can ask us questions about podcasting, about the company, about you know tech, love, child rearing. Suit us those questions on Twitter. You just use the hashtag RelayQA, and I have a little automation going around and putting all those in a spreadsheet for us. The more questions, the better. We go through them a few days in advance and sort them into categories. So if you have any questions at all about uh, Relay or podcasting or any of this stuff, uh, we'd love to answer them on next week's Connected. Mm-hmm. And finally, August is Relay FM Membership Month. We do this, again, to celebrate the birthday of the network. You can go join at relay.fm slash membership. Uh, for all the members out there listening, thank you so much for your support over the years. Like previous years, we will be publishing members-only bonus episodes of our shows. Uh, that starts in just a couple of days, and there is some amazing stuff coming uh, coming this month and, and, and into early September. The stuff that I've gotten to, to listen to already is just fantastic, so... Um, and if you if you join to, to sponsor or to back a certain show, you get access to all the bonus stuff. Uh, so you know if you uh, already are a member of say uh, Analog and you want to listen to the uh, the Rocket membership show, you'll be able to do that. It, everything goes to everybody. Um, and if you're not a member, we'd love for you to check it out. Relay.fm/slash/membership. 
Or you can just click the link in the show notes and you can support this show. So Yes, this uh, very... You can, you can support podcast. any show, but if you want to support this show, you can. Uh, I would, we will welcome your support and you will get very wonderful bonuses for it. There's a monthly newsletter. There is a monthly Relay FM host crossover show. Mm-hmm. Wallpapers, discounts, Dis- all the great discount stuff. Discount on uh, previously mentioned merchandise. <laughs> so if you want to get a lot of merch <laughs> like if you're looking to buy a lot of merch mm-hmm. for some reason you should sign up and get the discount yeah like if you want to have a family reunion in october and want everybody just everyone and you want to order 350 i don't know how big family reunions are let's say 350 people it's a big family it seems like a big family. big family big family uh maybe a high school class reunion let's go with that you're having your high school class reunion and you need 350 five-star relay shirts, you know, maybe become a member and that discount would pay off. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Also, please send us a photo of your class reunion and matching relay shirts. All right, Mike, we have a bunch of topics to talk about. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this company, Apple. They've done some stuff. We're going to talk about FileMaker. They're just in the news, which is not something I expected to happen this week, but here we are. Uh, but first, let me tell you about our first sponsor. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It's the system that allows you to easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, or maybe you want to have a portfolio to show off your work, or maybe you want to start a blog or a podcast. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do all of that stuff. And you don't have to become some sort of like web admin. You don't have to learn the dark art of PHP because there's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about. No upgrades are needed. Squarespace simply has it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you do need any help. They allow you to quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. At Relay, we use Squarespace to power our blog. So anytime we have uh, anything we want to share with people, we put it there. So recently, we did a blog post about the merchandise, and I could drag the pictures in. I could lay them out the way I wanted to. And the best part is I knew that it was going to look good on desktop and mobile because those themes are responsive and do what they're supposed to do no matter how wide the window. So it's not like I was doing one layout for desktop, another one for iPad. The Squarespace theme, which looks great, just took care of it for me. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com connected. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code connected to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, Apple Card. Talk about this for a minute. Yeah. This is Apple's fancy virtual but also titanium credit card. They are rolling out or they did roll out some invites earlier this week. I'm unclear if that's ongoing or there was like a batch of basically press people and it's coming out later to more people. But No, they're doing over this month. It's like people that signed up to learn more, they're going to be kind of bringing them in in waves and by the end of the month it will be open to anybody a couple of uh details that sort of came out in the early reporting that i wanted to mention here uh 
we've all seen the artwork of like the the colors on the card and how they're sort of blotches of color that sort of gradient together. Mm-hmm. It turns out those come from the categories that you spend money within. And so there were a couple of tweets of like, oh, it's all yellow because I just used it one place for food. And then, you know, I went to the hardware store and a green one showed up and now they're slowly merging and changing over time, which I think is kind of fun. That's a nice detail that obviously physical cards can't do. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's a little touch that I really appreciate for some reason. You can order a physical physical card. It will be mailed to you. And uh, for those out there who have had this experience with a debit or a credit card, usually it comes with like a sticker and a phone number and you have to call the phone number and like type in the card number. And Apple is just putting an NFC uh, sticker in the envelope. So you just like tap your phone to it, which is mm-hmm. brilliant. <laughs> Super great. And I think the integration within the wallet app looks really good. And they showed this before, but a transaction list with information about vendors, balance details, you can see where where your money is going. Uh, and this probably shouldn't have been a surprise, but it sort of made the rounds as well that Apple Card data cannot be shared with other money management apps. So if you use something like Mint is very popular here in the US where you add you know, your debit cards and your, your bank accounts and stuff, and you kind of get a, a holistic picture of your finances. Because most people, you write, you have... A credit card or two, you've got your bank account, you got your mortgage, maybe you got a car loan or student loans, and it's hard to see the big picture. And so Mint is one of several solutions that sort of aggregates all this into one place. And the Apple Card is going to be uh, separate from that. And I, I would not hold your breath about that changing because Apple is really preaching its privacy story here. This would be a problem with them if they ever come to Europe especially the UK, because legally you have to make this information available so people, consumers, can choose to take their data and put it with other companies to allow for them to have better money management. So I would be really keen to see what Apple is going to do about that. It might be one of the reasons we never get it. So like every bank here has to create a system, like a login system. So for example, if I had two banks... I, with one bank, can use my online banking app to basically log in and have the other bank's bank accounts displayed in the other bank's app. Mm -hmm. Which is like, it is the other side of data sharing where me, as the consumer, gets to choose where my data goes. And there's other things you can do, for example, like take all of your bank account data and upload it to a comparison website and find out where you can be saving money, like stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're paying too much for this bill or that bill. And if you switch to this company or that company, you could do it. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what they do there. I mean, I genuinely don't know if this is ever going to be outside of the US, right? Like Apple Pay Cash. No, what was it called? Apple. What was the thing called where you can share, send money to somebody? Because they've changed the names now, I think. Yeah. Right? It's so like if I want to send money to you. I think it's Apple. I think it's Apple Pay Cash. Okay, well, that that never made its way outside of the U.S. And it might be that Apple Card would do that, right? Like they want if they want to push Apple Card outside, which I think is more of a thing that they would be willing to do, then they would need Apple Pay Cash as part of it, right? Because it's where the the rewards are. But I'm interested to see what, if anything, Apple does to try and like make itself yeah compliant with a lot of stuff that is required of these financial institutions now here yep i just sent john for he's a dollar it is uh apple pay cash that's nice of you that was nice of you send it back john but yeah so i'm i i would very much i'm very interested in this product 
like you know and i i i use uh credit cards that have benefits to them right and i actually use the benefits and that and it's really great but those cards cost me money uh to to pay i have to pay like fees for them every year and stuff and you don't have to do that with the apple card but i think that i would be like super willing to buy all of my apple products on this card right like that's what i would do with it because you get three percent cash back on is it three percent i think on apple products Mm -hmm. so i could buy my you know i buy my phone on it and you also get cash back on subscriptions so if you pay for apple arcade you get three percent back every month every time it debits so stuff like that where it's like oh okay like I would probably want to keep a balance on that card and top it back up. Mm-hmm. So it's like the big credit card round robin. Yes. Which, I mean, you guys spoke about this on Upgrade. I'm kind of like Jason. Rick. I don't really do much of that. Um, we have a credit card that we use sometimes, um, but not something that... I think genuinely, right? Like if you are the type of person that does not want to have to go through the rigmarole of using and like using all the benefits before they expire and all that kind of stuff, like this is the perfect kind of thing Mm -hmm. where it's just actual cash back, not like cash back with a check or like cash back every quarter where you have to mail something. Like if you use this credit card, you'll get money back and you don't have to do anything about it. And then you can do whatever you want with that money, including paying off the balance of the credit card, which is just like, that's a great thing to be able to do. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I would, if this was available here, I would definitely, I would definitely use it for my day-to-day purchases, like without a doubt, where I don't want to put like a sandwich on my, American Express card. Like it's just, right. It seems like too much aggravation. But I would do this and then I would maybe move a lot of my purchases to something like this um, because it also has the cool, like, this is where you're spending your money type features, which is which is really good to have and which a lot of, like, traditional companies don't provide, but these newer banks do. Yeah, I think Apple could go further with that. I mean, uh, their cashback stuff, there are options that are better if you're a certain type of shopper. So I think one that people will compare this to is the Amazon Prime Visa card, which I I Mm -hmm. believe is 5% back at Amazon and Whole Foods. If you're that sort of shopper, if those are, you know, very common on your statement, that could be a better deal than this. But uh, I think you're right. The Apple one will win in terms of just, hey, you get cash on your Apple Cash card and you can spend that like any debit card or use that for Apple Pay Cash yeah. to send a dollar to somebody on a podcast. So that is uh, – I think you're right. That for people who don't want to like roll their sleeves up or who don't really cleanly fit into some other card that is clearly better, this this is a, probably a good default if you have an iPhone. That's, of course, the, the other thing that you've got to have an iPhone and that's going to uh, – I mean, most people can't access it, but – if you're in that that population, it seems like a, a reasonable uh, option for you. There's, there's enough people. Sure. <laughs> there's enough people to make a, a nice user-based album. One thing I'm really intrigued about is how they deal with bad debt. Because, like, let's imagine somebody has, like, a $6,000 limit on their Apple card, and they fill it up, and they can't pay for it. Uh, I wonder how they're going to deal with that, like, just from a... How it will look from a public, like, a PR perspective, right? Like, will... Goldman Sachs, on behalf of Apple, send, like, collection agents to your home? Well, I think, I don't know if it's actually on behalf of Apple or not, but that will be the perception, 
Right. Th- this is a Goldman Sachs credit card. That, that's what I mean, right? But like Goldman Sachs are doing it for Apple, right? And and Apple have made Goldman Sachs change so many things about the way that they work, right? Including this like data sharing agreement where Goldman Sachs is not allowed to use any of the transaction data for anything. They can't use it for marketing. They can't sell it, right? They've removed a lot of the way that credit card companies actually make their money. So like... Of course, I understand the idea that like you enter into an agreement with a company, and the agreement says you give us the you pay us back, and if you don't pay us back, we're going to get our money somehow, right? Like I understand all of that, but like I wonder what is it actually going to look like, and how soon do we start getting stories and stuff like that? If at all, I'm just intrigued about from a PR perspective, debt. Is a strange thing for Apple to be in the business of, right? Right. Like they are in the business of debt now, um, and that is a that's interesting. And I, and I'm keen to see how it resolves. When I have always thought about Apple's moving into banking, this was not the product that I thought we'd see first. I thought that they would create something to replace the debit account first, mm-hmm. or a debit card first, not a credit card, because you're in you're in the business of making people spend more money than they have. Like, that's the business that they're in now. Like, that's what people do with credit cards. If there's anybody out there who's young listening to this show who's yet to have a credit card in their life, pay off your credit card every month. Like, when you get to that point in your life. Like, that was a mistake that I made. And I had spent many years getting myself back out of that mistake when I was, like, 23. Pay off your credit cards would be my advice to you. But like it is just like a thing where I'm I'm intrigued I'm just intrigued to see how all that stuff starts shaking out because they're in a very, very different business of this. Mm-hmm. It's strange. Uh, let's talk about some uh, Apple security stuff. Okay. So a couple of stories uh originating from Forbes. Uh so the first one is that Apple will be creating and somehow dispersing iPhones with special firmware and software, and this will allow security researchers to get into parts of iOS that you normally can't get to without jailbreaking, and even go beyond. So including like pausing the CPU to inspect its memory, which is not something that I know how to do, but clearly I guess it's possible. This is to uh, in, with the end goal of making iOS and iPadOS more secure. So it's... Uh, this is for security researchers and people who are, you know, tr- known trusted individuals or organizations to Apple. It is kind of like, a, a, in parentheses, apparently, because like, of course, these phones exist, but I've never really thought about them. Uh, internal use development iPhones at Apple that can do, uh, a user can do basically anything on. There, this won't be as open as that, but is a step in that direction, again, with the desire in Apple's part to be. We're going to give these to trusted people who are security researchers in the field who will uh, have access to them and poke around them. And then if they find things, they will disclose them to us and not post about them on Twitter. And then we could fix these security issues. So I think the reason this is a story is that this didn't really exist. Um, I, I saw one tweet and I can't find it now, but someone saying that this program has existed before, but this is sort of a a formalizing of it. So I don't know if Apple had like a, a secret handshake with a couple of security researchers who had more access than others, but this seems at the very least to be a more formal approach to this sort of security research. And it seems to me that 
it fits really well with Apple's privacy and security stance that they've really taken over the last couple of years. And we've we've all said it that if Apple has, I'm going to say when, because it does, everything is inevitable probably. When Apple has a really big security or privacy breach, it will be worse for them because of their posturing on the topic. And they want to avoid that as long as possible. Well, yes. I mean, I would agree that there was like the whole Siri thing as an example of that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Which <laughs> we didn't, I feel like that fell in between connected episodes, but Mm-hmm. Not good. Uh, not good at all. Um, so this is uh, in conjunction with some macOS news uh, that Apple is announcing a macOS bounty program. So uh, the way this works is if you find a security vulnerability in an Apple product, um, an iPhone or an iPad running iOS or, um, you know, I guess an iPod Touch, I guess they're out there too. If you have an iPod Touch and you find a security issue with it, you can contact Apple. You're very special. You can contact Apple through these approved channels and they will offer rewards or bounties uh, for that information. The idea being that if you find a security vulnerability, Apple will pay to get it off the market before it becomes known and disclosed to people who could use it for ill. So they want to incentivize people who find these things to do the right thing in Apple's eyes. And, uh, Previously, this program was just limited to iOS, and this caused a big dust-up several months ago uh, that uh, some stuff came out, maybe even longer than that now. Uh, security issues came up with macOS, and then it sort of came to light in the public that there was not a macOS bounty program. I don't think Apple did that purposefully even. Like, macOS Sin has been around a really long time, and in 2001, bounty programs they were out there maybe, but the world was different. And now you can just write a blog post or write a tweet and all of a sudden every like foreign power and spy agency in the world knows about a zero day in your software. Apple doesn't want to be in that situation. So they've brought the Mac into the bounty program, which I think is uh, is really good because you know a lot of us have a lot of uh, stuff on our Macs and, and, and a lot of like – critical data on our Macs. And with iCloud, all this stuff is everywhere anyways, right? So it's not just I mean, that... I would expect you could do more damage to a Mac than an iOS device anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's much more possible for a piece of software to dig itself in. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, the Mac is more open, and even though until they're Catalina, trying to... Catalina, anyway. <laughs> well, in Catalina, you just have to work around all the click boxes. But... Uh-huh. Uh, or if you're a hacker, you just give up because it's uh, so annoying. But yeah, you're right. And uh, so the Mac is more open, but it's tied to all your iCloud stuff. So if someone has control of your Mac, they really have control of all of your data. And that's bad, clearly. So it's good that the Mac is brought into this and that they're taking it seriously. And uh, I would love to know what those phones, what that entails, like how that how that works. But the world will probably never know. I'm really intrigued to know what precautions will they take on those iPhones to stop them showing up on eBay? I mean, if they, so I would imagine, this is basically just made up, but the way I could see it working is that you are an employee at a, you know, security research for, firm or, uh, you know, like uh, McAfee or like those sort of companies. Not only is the company assigned the phone, but I would imagine that Apple would know whose phone that is right. Like who, who is the primary owner of that special firmware phone? 
And the, obviously they can't stop that person from putting that phone on eBay, but I would guarantee you they would know what phone it is. And I would imagine too that there's some sort of check-in process if that phone is not on some sort of internal network at these companies or plugged into a computer that somehow authenticates it every so often that it would lock and that you wouldn't be able to get into mm. it. Uh, that's, uh, I would imagine that that functionality would be built in in some way or another. But so, someone like you. Yes. Would. Me? <laughs> yes, let's, you. Let's, would, let's, this is really specific. As someone who collects. When I, when I finish saying what I'm going to say, you'll know what I mean. Someone like you would, would want the hardware, whether this, whether it worked or not, though. Like someone who'd happen to have a collection of Apple hardware. Yes. Not me specifically, government. Not me. Not me. Specifically, Apple. you. Come on. Would would buy one if it was on eBay? Well, maybe in like twenty years. I mean, if anything, mm. if any of these things pop up anytime soon, they're not going to be cheap. It's it's kind of the same thing, in a way, to like. Uh, testing hardware and like verification hardware sometimes Macs show up with like red logic boards and that's a test machine that you know a development machine with an apple sometimes those things pop, pop up like prototyping and that sort of thing do you have anything like that uh i don't think i do you don't have any like weird one-offs or prototype devices or anything Mm-mm. like that i don't i know i don't Are have you a, interested in it i am the the issue is if you want like prototype mac hardware even if it's 30 years old it is super expensive. Way out of my league in terms of collecting. <laughs> but, yeah, that's going to the like very serious, very rich collectors, right? Yes, not yes. not me. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, one of these phones may come out, but I would imagine Apple would have a way to kill it. So even if someone had the phone, the secret sauce won't get out because that defeats mm-hmm. the entire purpose, right? <laughs> if mm-hmm. someone has access to all this, like, oh, oh no, what have we done? Yeah. So yeah, yeah bounty program. So you're, if you're out there, and uh, you know, if, if you're finding a Mac vulnerability. Uh, the, the bounty program does give me the mental image of like some sort of software developer or security researcher who's also kind of like Indiana Jones. So No, I think of pirates. Well, no, because Indiana Jones like wants to do the right thing, right? Like this should be in a museum, even though he stole it from like the tribe of people who have worshipped it mm-hmm. for centuries. Like he did a bad thing to do a good thing. It's kind of Indiana Jones deal. It's kind of what these mm-hmm. people are like, right? So you find an issue and you put on your cool hat and I guess you have a bullwhip and, and you swing into the Apple campus mm-hmm. and say, this belongs in a museum. And you hand them the bug and they hand you a bag of gold and you go amongst your way. That is actually a pretty good way of describing it. Are they black hats or white hats or gray hats? Which is the one? Because I know the ha- the conference is called Black Hat, right? But mm-hmm. Black Hat is when you do something bad, right? I think so. Isn't like white hat when you're a hacker for good? And black hat, you're a hacker for evil. I found a and then like gray blog hat post somewhere in between on Norton as a Norton antivirus on their blog that we'll put in the show notes about this. I guess they would know. Yeah, I would. I suppose. Thanks, Norton antivirus. That's definitely the only time I've ever been on this website. The Norton antivirus website. Mm-hmm. Black hat hackers usually have extensive knowledge about breaking into computer networks. Their primary motivation is usually for personal or financial gain but they can also be involved in espionage protest or perhaps the addicted, addic- just addicted to the thrill of cybercrime. I love that line. Wow. They're just addicted to the thrill of cybercrime. No other crime. Are you or someone you love addicted to the thrill of cybercrime? Call us at Norton. <laughs> we are here to help. <laughs> Would you steal a purse? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. White hat hackers choose to use their powers for good rather than evil. 
They are also known as ethical hackers. Mm. And then get this, Mike. As in life, there are gray areas that are neither black nor white. Mm. Gray hat hackers are a blend of both black hat and white hat activities. Wait, so the hackers are a blend of activities? Who wrote this? Hmm. So whatever hat you... Oh, okay. So gray hat hackers are the people that go in for bounty programs is what they're saying. Like they'll look for vulnerabilities without the owner's permission or knowledge and then report them, sometimes requesting a fee to fix the issue. So there you go. Okay. So all you so it should hats. be called the Grey Hat Conference then. We're glad we cleared that up. Service we provide. Bounty program. Get get paid to hack the Mac. All right. We're going to talk about FileMaker. So no one leave. We're going to take a quick break, talk about Hover. One of the show's longest running sponsors. Hover has been with us a really long time. Since, no, it's literally since the beginning. Since the beginning. In the beginning. Yes, since the dawn of time. There was Hover. We know you love learning about tech, and Hover has a lot of great tech to talk about. It's a big leap for a ton of people starting their own business because your business needs a domain name. And often these days, your company name and domain name conversation are like the same conversation. It was with us, I know, when we were trying to name our company. And Hover makes it easy because they have over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. So no matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for you. They have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have, and they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information. They have really clean UX and UI on their site. You're not tricked into anything. There are not any checkboxes you have to go uncheck. They respect your time on their site. And they have monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's really easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. I've had domains at Hover forever, even before the show, before Relay. They've been my do- domain registrar of choice. And so many times if I want to start a project, uh, I kind of start, if I don't have a name solidly in mind, I actually use their domain name finder to help me with that. So like in, in naming this very podcast network, this was an issue trying to find a domain name that was really short and we could use the .fm. Hover makes all that really easy. It doesn't make naming the company easier. That can still be difficult, but it makes the rest of it easier. We know that people like intuitive user experiences and things just work straight out of the box. You will appreciate Hover. Uh, The UI is clean, simple, and easy to navigate. So go buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash connected and get 10% discount on all new purchases. That's hover.com slash connected. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. Episode eight was the first time that Hover sponsored. Wow. So well, it's a long correct. time ago. <laughs> One of the longest running. One of the first. FileMaker. All right. Here we go. FileMaker. FileMaker. Federico's going to really be sad he's miss the, missing this. Probably will be, actually. FileMaker, of course, is owned by Apple. It One of, and was for a long time, the only wholly owned subsidiary. Yep. Uh, but now I think there are a couple. And this is one of them. Uh, FileMaker and Beats, two companies that really I think of jointly, you know, kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. FileMaker, Beats. Very. Yeah. So they're in the news this week because they are changing their name to Claris. And you may think, isn't that the name of the dog cow? (laughs) Claris, the company is with an I. Claris, the dog cow is with a U. I can't pronounce those differently. Claris and Claris, like, there's no difference to me. Anyways, FileMaker is now known as Claris International. 
this name is historic, Mike. And because no one can stop me, I'm going to tell you the history of Claris today. You excited? Great. You excited? It's, yeah, it's like Ungenius. <laughs> as good as like Ungenius. No one will die in the story, unlike what sure? often happens on the Ungenius topics. So we need to roll back the clock to 1986, 1987. The Mac's been out for three years or so. Apple had this idea of, hey, um, we really want th- third parties to, like rush into the Mac and build software for it. And that really didn't happen the first couple of years. And Apple sort of bet wrong on this. So they started by with Mac Paint and MacWrite developed internally. And they sort of let them languish. And they said, oh, well, third-party developers will come in. And by the time they didn't, Apple's own software was getting um, pretty crufty. And so Claris was created to build software for the Mac. And it was going to be sort of an independent company, but sort of monitored by Apple. And then John Scully ended up buying it all back. And that's when it became this this wholly owned company company. by Apple in those early years. And in 1991, they really made a name for themselves launching Claris Works. And this is a, a an early example of sort of an office suite. There were others. Lotus was there um, and some others. But Claris, had, Claris Works had a word processor, a drawing program, a painting program, spreadsheet tools, database programs, a presentation program, you know, kind of what we think of today, right? Where you, you might have Word and Excel and PowerPoint or pages and keynote numbers. Claris Works was all that stuff together. It launched in 1991, like I said, and in a very un-Apple-like move today, it shipped for Windows in 1993. So you could run Claris Works cross-platform and share files back and forth, etc., which is Wild to think about Apple writing Windows software in 1993. Or not Apple, but somebody completely owned and controlled by Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claris Works was spun back into Apple in 1997 or so. So the word processor and all this stuff was rebranded and updated as Apple Works, which was eventually replaced by iWork. Uh, I used Apple Works in high school. I have a lot of Apple Work files floating around. Uh, that I converted to pages documents early on. Most of them were just, you know, text. And it was declared end of life in 2007, which was way later than I thought it was killed. And uh, it's stuck on Snow Leopard. It won't run on Lion or higher. So uh, rest in peace, Apple Works. But Claris had a lot more than just these seven or eight programs. And these programs, they, they weren't as well integrated as something like iWork or Office are today. You know, Office and iWork, you could basically like make a spreadsheet and then have like a chart and then you drag that into a Word document or a presentation and like it updates and all that sort of cross-app compatibility platform stuff we're used to today. Some of that was present in Clarisworks, but obviously it was simpler. Uh, but they also owned a couple of other products that were less impactful, but I think are fun to talk about in hindsight. The first one was Claris Homepage, which was a what-you-see-is-what-you-get website creation tool that ran on the classic Mac OS. It never made it to Mac OS X, but um, if you wanted to build a website and you didn't want to write HTML or just write HTML, Claris Homepage was a, an early example of something you could do, like a very early uh, Dreamweaver or something. There's also an email program, Claris Emailer. Emailer? Emailer. That's a weird word to say. And a, a contact calendar tool named Claris Organizer. I'll give them this. Very consistent with their naming. You know, it's like Apple Watch and Apple TV. Like, 
If you want to build a website, Claris homepage. If you need to organize some things, Claris organizer. Solid, solid work. Mm -hmm. Uh, These were around in the mid to late 90s, didn't come to OS X, sort of died in the transition. In 1998 or so, it shed all of its products except FileMaker and HomePage. It changed the company name to FileMaker, which probably put the HomePage people on watch. And uh, HomePage was put out to pasture in 2001. After 2001, it basically just made FileMaker, which if you're not familiar with it, is a it's an application for creating and managing databases. So you can have, for instance, we heard from some people who created invoicing systems in it. So you could have, you know, all the fields you would need to create an invoice and it spits a PDF out and then you can track it. You can really build almost anything you would need within its, uh, within its sort of relational database, uh, programming. It's pretty easy to program. FileMaker is one of those things, and I haven't used it in a long, long time. But you can do a lot, which is basic information. But if you want to really get into it, you can really go deep and really customize things. And you can load it up as a, like, the FileMaker server becomes a web server, and you can hit it from other computers. So you're not just, like, stuck to your only computer. Uh, there is a um, a FileMaker Go app which was like a parallel iOS mobile product. And it just, if you need to build something because no one creates the tool you need, FileMaker is like one of those things. And a lot of people now just build a web app, but FileMaker has its roots in the 80s and 90s. And a lot of people using FileMaker have used it for a really long time. And we're going to talk about the company's desire to change that. But uh, this is kind of where they were in the 2000s. 2007, they introduced Bento. Do you remember this? You were a Mac user about yeah, this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 like every Mac user, bought Bento and didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. So it was a database application, <laughs> and it, it felt like an iWork app, right? Like it really yeah. felt like it should have just been part of iWork and not FileMaker. Uh, they got into hot water because version 2 was the same cost as version 1. They didn't do upgrade pricing, and people were very upset. But Bento had a couple of versions, three or four versions, and then sort of went away six years later in 2013, I think because like you said, no one really knew what to do with it. And it was basically single user. So Bento was not a thing to build invoicing for your whole office. It was a, if you want to build some sort of database to like do personal tracking of some sort. And I just, I guess there just wasn't a wide enough audience for that. I I played with it and certainly didn't know what to do with it. Um, So that went away and there's no database Software really at the iWork level, FileMaker is a, a pro app. Uh, there's no consumer sort of version of it on the Mac from Apple, at least. And so that brings us to today. They've been trucking along with FileMaker. They have had some leadership changes, and now they have a new product. And they've really gone out on a limb. They've named it Claris Connect. This is what it does. I'm going to read this. A tool for integrating various cloud services and automating workflows between them. Yeah, I've tried to. All right, I've tried to do some research on this, right? Because that that is maddening. It's it's maddening the way that that is written because it's like, oh, we're doing nothing and everything. Um, basically, they com- they acquired uh, Claris acquired a company called Stamplay, mm-hmm. which was about trying to help you as a new developer bring together a bunch of services that have APIs in a way that you didn't have to do a ton of work for, with. So if you wanted to have like payments, 
file storage you could just use the apis of all these web services and like really easily integrate them into into your product so what it seems like claris is doing is trying to find a way to take all of these cloud services and have them talk to your database and vice versa it seems like from what they're describing because Stanplay was was described as a source that they're trying to build like an iftt or a zapier like product for enterprise for FileMaker. And I'm sure that Claris Connect will become a center point for a lot of the products that Claris is looking to build because they, they there's a bunch of blog posts on their company blog. It, they've been they've been posting like wild for the last three days. They're so excited. I love them. They're the best. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Claris is building lots of products now. Like th- th- they are now, they have a new vision and they're like, right, we're going to build a bunch of stuff. It seemed like that they were kind of just chugging along for a while and there's this new CEO. He's got a bunch of ideas and they're just going for it like they want more users they want to make more products like they're trying to become a cloud focused company which makes sense i mean if you think about how filemaker has worked as you have a a server in your office just serving it up to your employees like they probably have information in cloud services and you need to integrate with that to stay relevant and so it makes a, a FileMaker will die otherwise. Yeah. Like, because no one new is going to no. use it. People are using things like Airtable or even like Google Sheets or, again, just building custom mm-hmm. apps. And, and there are things that only FileMaker can do, but there's also a ton of software as a service companies out there that can meet a lot of people's needs. So mm-hmm. uh, those blog posts, by the way, are impossible to read it's all like businessy jargon and yeah yeah <laughs> it's rough i read the blurb and i was like oh they're making zapier and then i read this blog post and then when i woke up from blacking out i realized i had no idea what was happening it's pretty confusing i only think i know what they're doing they are looking to to remain relevant they want to triple their custom customer base currently filemaker the product not the company currently serves more than a million end user in 50,000 different companies, they say, which is bigger than I thought it was. We heard from most of them when you guys dissed FileMaker a couple of months ago. I, but I do look at that and I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. But how many of these people are using it because it's what the company uses? Right. right like, again, and it's what the company used 20 years ago. Yes. So now they can't get away from it. Right. Not a lot of new people coming to FileMaker, like you said, but they want to change well, that. Maybe and, now. Maybe now. Yeah. And Claris Connect will make it I guess, easier to integrate a cloud service or two into your database. So uh, I wish them well because FileMaker is, it's a well-known and beloved brand in the, in the sort of Mac world. And it's, it's also just an interesting company to talk about because Apple owns them and they've been so quiet for so long, sort of quietly serving their customer base, but they're looking to make some moves and this new CEO seems really exciting. And uh, I think we're going to hear more about them moving forward. I do really like the idea that like, this news breaks and Tim Cook's like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Who's letting him do all this? (laughs) Yeah. Very good. It's very good. This episode of Connected is also brought to you by Care Of. With summer here, you can make health and wellness a priority. Care Of makes it easy to upgrade your health routine. It's a subscription service that makes it easy to get vitamins, protein powders, and more personalized just for you and, of course, delivered straight to your door. Careof can help figure out what you need with a fun online quiz that asks about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices. It takes five minutes and it'll work out exactly what you need. And because they know you're busy, Careof will deliver your order right to your door in a personalized, easy to remember, 
daily packs. You're not just getting a box of pills. Everything is neatly laid out. So even if you're traveling, you can take what you need with you and leave the rest at home. They now offer protein powders in individual packets for on-the-go Uh, on-the-go use, and they're all personalized to your fitness goals and dietary preferences. If you're vegan or vegetarian, they can totally cater to that, which as someone who has some dietary restrictions, I really appreciate. And that quiz really is easy. I walked my my way through it and simple. It it was very clear what they were asking. You know, sometimes you get into like these sorts of questions like, well, I don't know what my goal is. Very easy, very easy to, to use this. And that those individual packets make everything really convenient. For 25% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter the code CONNECTED. That's takecareof.com and the promo code CONNECTED for 25% off. Our thanks to Care of for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So Apple apparently have shipped an estimated... This is estimated by one of the various analyst firms. 5.7 million watches worldwide during this past quarter. Wow. So Apple said they had a good quarter. That was one of the things that they were talking about. But Apple have never gave any details about Apple Watch. I mean, they give no details about sales units of anything now, but they never have given. So we don't have a baseline. There's never been a baseline, right, to set it to. But people can work it out using algorithms, I'm sure. Uh, apparently, this earns them 46% market share. Um, and I'm, I'm interested, like, what market is that? Like, is that all watches? I don't know. And its continued position is number one smartwatch company. So that's great, right? Yeah, good for Apple Watch. Rocking mm-hmm. and rolling. What is the market share of Apple Watch amongst this podcast? Uh, not very good. <laughs> is it 33% or is it 66%? Uh, I think it's closer to 33%. So mm, Maybe it's 46%. 46%. So what what you are getting at is my use of the Apple Watch because you left it behind a year ago? Over a year ago. May last year was the last time I wore an Apple Watch with any seriousness. So my use is a little bit different than that. I do not wear it daily anymore, but I do put it on to work out. So going to the gym, going for a bike ride going for a walk or a run. Past that, though, uh, I don't wear it day to day. I don't wear it to work. You know, not, Even when I travel, it stays at home. This sort of happened gradually for me, where I, I ha- I've always had other watches, and I've always liked those other watches. Over time, I realized that even with tweaking the notifications and basically turning almost all of them off, I still felt like the watch was too invasive into my life. And I feel like I stand on one side of the debate most people have about the watch where most people look at the watch and say, oh, it's great. I can glance at my notifications and I can see if anything's important and I can ignore it or I can deal with it if I need to. But they use it as a triage of sorts for your notifications. I think that's how you used to use your watch. A lot of people really like that about the Apple Watch, but over time I grew to to dislike it more and more where I felt like, even with very pared down notifications, I didn't want the world following me around on my wrist all the time. That if I left my phone in the other room or went somewhere without it, that that was okay. You know, the Apple Watch is interesting too because it is about as old as Relay. It came out, you know, I think about the same time. And I've had one for Relay's, you know, first several years. Because in those first several years, 
I really felt like I needed to be available as much as possible because, you know, we were a growing company with infrastructure issues in the beginning and had to you know, really make our website more robust and all of our systems more robust. And so I felt like I always needed to be around. And this really has become more mature. And as my sort of day-to-day has changed over the last couple of years, I realized that that wasn't really true. And that if I if someone really needed me, my the honest truth is my phone is with me almost all the time anyways. But I felt like the watch more and more was a handcuff to the internet, not a way to just glance at the internet and then carry on. And I don't know why I feel that way. I'm not sure what that says about my usage of the watch. It's just how I feel. So I'm not projecting down to anybody, not projecting anything onto the... We are in a no-judgment zone. We are in the no-judgment zone. Uh, thank you. So that's just kind of how I felt about it. And so as an experiment, I said, you know, I'm going to go a week without wearing it. I'm going to wear – I still wear a watch. I wear a watch every day. I like having the time and date on my wrist. I still, to this day, sometimes, if it's cloudy, look at my watch wondering if it's going to rain. And you know what? This mechanical watch cannot tell me that. <laughs> so I do miss having weather uh, on my wrist. But I said, you know, for a week, I'm not going to wear it. And I'm going to see if I feel like I'm missing out on things or if I feel like this thought I had of like, I need, I feel like it's a handcuff. Like, is that actually true or not? And it was great. And one week became two and two weeks became two months. And I haven't worn a watch consistently a good part of this year. And like I said, I still wear it for the exercise tracking. I like Apple health. I like the workout tracking. I'm not super interested in replacing the Apple watch with something like a Fitbit for those things. I I like the way the watch handles itself in exercise. And most of the time too, if I'm exercising, if I'm at the gym or especially if I'm on my bike and someone needs to get in touch with me, the watch is the way that happens. And so I like the connectivity while I'm working out. So if my wife calls me and my phone is in the locker in the weight room, or if I'm on my bike and you know, someone needs to get a hold of me again through my very narrow gate of notifications and my phone is not accessible. I can at least, you know, see that, oh, what my parents is calling me, my, my brother texting me, Mike's texting me, um, something, you know, I can at least kind of be available. And so I actually like it in those situations. So that's why I'm keeping it. I have a series four. I'm not going to buy a series five this fall, but the, I'm, I'm not, I haven't ejected it from my life like like you have and some others have. It still has a place, just a very small and diminished role. I've got to say, like, I, the times that I do wear it to the gym or whatever, it doesn't stay on the whole day. I get home, I shower, it goes back in the drawer or on the charger, whatever the case may be. And that's kind of where I am with it, like, to the point where I don't really know what's coming in the new version of WatchOS. I haven't paid that close attention to it. And I just feel like, while a lot of people, it adds a lot to their lives, I'm, I'm for whatever reason, I don't feel that way about it. And uh, so I am, uh, I've joined the uh, the Club of Mike when it comes to the Apple Watch. Oh, it's the Club of Marco. Club of Marco. Hashtag Marco is right. Yeah, I followed Marco. And now you followed along in my footsteps. What you said about like why it doesn't work for you is is pretty much the same for me. You know, like I just figure that my phone is around whenever I want to be contacted. And and if it's not there, I probably don't want to be. And the watch never really allowed me to be away from that. I was very set on the fact that I figured I needed notifications for everything always. 
and then stopped wearing the watch and realized I don't, and I don't want it either. Um, it was just a thing that I didn't know would happen to me mm-hmm. until I stopped wearing it, and I knew within a week that I didn't want to wear it anymore. Like, it was very quick where I was like, oh, no, I don't want it anymore. Uh, I have all the notifications on my phone. My phone will buzz and light up when I need it. And then when I don't want it, it goes away. And yeah, I could do not disturb the watch, but what's the point, right? Like, for, for me, I genuinely feel like I only have two options. I either wear the watch and have all notifications go to it that I ever want to know about, or I don't wear it. Like, there isn't an idea of, like, well, why don't I just wear it and have a few things? No, because my phone can do that. Like, mm-hmm. it's cool, right? Like, that, for me, it just doesn't work out. And then the other thing, I really like watches. I like the way they look. I like that I can choose. You can also change the bands, right? Like, it's not like an Apple Watch-only thing, right? Like, I like looking at pictures of watches. I like owning watches. I enjoy that I can put on a completely different watch from day to day, depending on what I'm wearing. With an Apple Watch, you're always kind of wearing an Apple Watch. No matter what you do to it, they are very good looking. They do not look as good as any watch that I own. Right, like, like the real watches, to me and my taste, look better than every Apple Watch, no matter what the face is. Right, because mm-hmm. they still look like little computers, and that's just not for me. Now, that was why I bought my first mechanical watch was because I didn't want to have an Apple Watch on in my wedding photos, and I am so happy I made that decision mm-hmm. because I wouldn't have looked good. It wouldn't have looked good now because it would have been a Series Three, and the Series Three looks like this ugly refrigerator compared to the Series Four. <laughs> Right, like the yeah. the series four is so much better looking. Like it is a beautiful, is. beautiful watch for what it is, and what it is is a computer still. But in five years, the series four will look old. So you know, time marches on. You should uh, you should say what watch you're wearing at the moment because people will want to know what watch you you moved to. Today I'm watching. I'm I'm watching today. I'm watching Mike. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, today I'm wearing a watch by Instrument, which is a company in the UK. But I also have a Seiko that I really like and a calculator watch. So I, I bounce around a little bit. For me, the requirement is the date. I like having the date. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and day if possible, but definitely a date window. And I kind of agree with you. And none of my watches are expensive, really. I mean, watches are like audio equipment. You can spend as much money as you have. I'm playing in the the very low end of things. For now. For uh, now. Well. I, I keep sending you watches that I think that you'd be interested in, and I think eventually... Oh, I've got a bucket list, right? Eventually you'll you get know, at least one. I've got a bucket list, but um, you don't have to spend... What's great about it is you don't have to spend a lot of money to have something that looks really nice, and there are so many options. Uh, like like my Seiko is black and orange with a chrome body, and like I love black and orange. I love orange and chrome. I like black and chrome, like or stainless steel, but it was like the... Like, oh, I love everything about how this looks. And mm-hmm. you can find that in the watch world. And even with the new, you know, new watch OS versions and new watches, you are limited into what Apple thinks people want. And starting with the Series 4, I was really unhappy with all the watch faces. I used the uh, the modular one. So it had like a bunch of data on it, which is fine. But I didn't like the new watch, the main new watch face, I thought they sort of butchered all the old ones when they went bigger. And I want something that if I'm going to wear on my body every day, I want to be really happy with it. And, and, you know, you may, people may think that's vain, I guess to a, 
a certain degree it is, but we we do that with we do that. No, it's fashion. It's it is fashion, and we do that with the the rest of what we do, right? We wear our favorite podcast t shirts, and we do all these things uh, because we, we they they project something about us into the world. And when I see the whatever watch I'm wearing that day, uh, I'm happy that Slack can't bother me on it, and I'm happy that it is exactly what I want. And you know, you have a question on this doc about what could bring you back to the Apple Watch, and I'm not sure there is anything at this point. I will continue to wear it for fitness and exercise tracking, and that means, you know, every couple of years I'll buy a new one for that. I, I use that enough to continue that investment. I'm not going to buy a 5, the Series 4. The Series 4 is really good. Like, as a sidebar, the Series 4 watch is really great. Uh, so that's going to do me for a long time. But that's kind of... Uh, Kind of where I am, you know, Federico has two or three. So, you know, I guess maybe he balances us out here, but I've just really cooled on it over the last several months. I wanted to mention, because people will, might ask me too, I recommend a brand called Farah. They're a British brand. I put them in the show notes too. I'm very into their watches right now. And they have a, a wide variance in cost from like, you can get watches from them that are 300 pounds or you can go up to like 1700 pounds and it depends i have a quartz watch that they make which i love just very very dearly um which is called the pendine i like that watch mm-hmm. very very much um i think you've seen me wearing that one maybe yeah it's great it's a beautiful beautiful thing uh i am with you in that i i'm not really there kind of isn't anything that Apple would be able to do to the Apple Watch, like specifically to bring me back to it. Like I may well, and I expect that I will buy another Apple Watch at some point. Like I, I genuinely believe I will do that, but it won't be a pro- product that I wear every day. Like it might be a product that I wear under specific circumstances. It might be like a health tracking tool, right? Like that you have, but just as like it, I could never imagine wearing a computer watch all the time. Um, I can imagine it having a use case, like how I imagine having watches in my future that I only ever wear when I'm wearing a suit or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like that they are very specific purposes. Uh, and I just think that this is just, I think, I genuinely think that the Apple Watch is just more of a, when, when it comes down to it, like a divisive product for people. I think it's like, you know, if you are in the world today, by and large, you probably need a smartphone of some kind, right? Like it's it's become one of those things where, like, in the vast majority of the world, to get by, you need to own a smartphone. Mm-hmm. I don't think that smartwatches are even nearly at that level yet, and I don't know if they ever will be either. Um, and so I I just think that this is much more of a like, does this meet your personal? needs and my personal needs like the apple watch does a very bad job of the low bar of what i want a watch to do Mm -hmm. uh, which is to always be able to show me the time which it cannot do right like i can look down right now and see the time on my watch my apple watch would not be able to display that without movement and that's just a thing that that frustrates me like it's a it's almost like a like a meme or a running joke at this point with the apple watch but it's just something that i genuinely want and it doesn't do that so it fails in one very very important area Mm -hmm. and everything the apple watch can do my phone can do better and i tend to have my phone with me whenever i would need to do something so uh 
That's that. No judgment. No judgment zone. No judgment. I was a devout user of the Apple Watch for many years, and I genuinely think what you were saying, I'd never thought of it, that like as kind of our working lives calmed down, like everything wasn't so urgent all the time, that maybe that's why I've been able to, to, to relax it a little bit. Yeah, and, and you and I have this thing too, and I think it just sort of formed over time. We're like, we've talked about this before, but we talk about like life stuff in iMessage Slack is work. And like, if something's really on fire, like this has happened a couple of times, you or I would just call each other. And like, mm-hmm. I know that if you are FaceTime calling me, like something is, is happening, right? And, and vice versa. And we use that very, I mean, probably only a couple of times over the years. If you move away from the Apple Watch and you do work with somebody closely and the watch was part of that, you do have to build other systems in. Especially if you use the Apple Watch for years and years, we become reliant on it. But I learned, I think you have too, that you don't, you can make those changes and it'd be pretty seamless if you spend some time thinking through it. Mm-hmm. I think that does it. Federi- As an update, Federico sent a GIF that is just somebody saying the lies, the lies over and over again. Could still be automated. Could be. There's no way to know. That seems like a bot. There's no way to know. him on Twitter. The Giphy bot can just send what feels like very poignant GIFs sometimes. So Report tweet to Twitter. if you want to find links to stuff we spoke about this week including the survey for relay fm family feud and our merchandise and membership and all the other stuff head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 255 while you're there you can get in touch via email or of course you can do so on twitter you can find mike there as i-m-y-k-e Mike is the co-host of many shows here at Relay FM. So if you love his, his smooth, gentle British voice, I don't know if your voice is gentle. Say something gentle, Mike. Flowers. Wow, that's pretty gentle. If you want more of that, puppies, head on over to relay.fm slash shows and you can find Mike's work there. Three ply toilet paper. Are you just reading your shopping list? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you think I want to buy flowers, puppies, and toilet paper? What kind of shopping list is I that? I mean, two of the three. I mean, the puppies is an outlier. That's true. That's true. Like, you don't like pop down to the store and pick up a few things and surprise the dean of the flowers sometimes? I don't need to justify my you should d- do rela- that more. romantic relationships with you. Okay. You never bring me flowers. I know that. You want flowers? No, I think I'm good. I'm going to bring you flowers uh, now. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I expect them now when I pick you up from the airport. Mm -hmm. You can follow me on Twitter at ISMH, and I write over at 512pixels.net. Federico, or the bot that is in Federico's Twitter account now, is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Hover, and Care Of. Until next time, Mike, say goodbye. Cheerio. Adios.